Yeah, a little fist bump in here. It's the it's Black Friday, and we're here for it. I even got the uh, I even got the Christmas sweater out. Oh, look at you, man! Yeah. I'll tell you Stranger about this. Things. I'm I like not, it. I, I don't know if we can catch this on camera well, right? But it's got like maybe I have to stand up. It's got sequins on it, and you go like this, right? Like oh this. yeah, sweet. Mind freak. Look, it changes. <laughs> yeah, awesome. awesome stuff. I'm Duder. That's the dude, Michael Vincent. I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I hope you all did too, man. Hey, welcome to uh, Freight Waves uh, for what the truck is from beautiful downtown Chattanooga on this beautiful day after Thanksgiving Day, Black Friday in the heart of uh, Freight Alley. How are you doing, Dooner? I'm doing good. Bob's Bob Boosie's already here. Rob Boosie, he's there already in go. the comments. Join us for the show. Those of you are grinding through a Friday, check it out. Those of you also, this will be on demand so you can check it out. Uh, afterwards, big controversy this week. I covered it mm. in the What the Truck newsletter. That's right. People big mad about Big Sky. Big man about big sky. <laughs> well, it's interesting because it's one of those things where, like, I put a poll out on Twitter. Yeah. And I follow a lot of truckers. A lot of truckers follow me. Yeah. And I was curious if this is, like, one of those situations where a group is just really mad about it. People individually are mad about it. All of that. The results that I got were best show ever, 15%. Mm. Never seen it, 55%. I hate watch it, 20%. And then boycott, 10%. Have you checked it out yet? And which group are you in? I have not seen it. I'm in the. I, I guess you could throw me in the uh, boycott. I guess, but okay. I, I mean, I don't. This type of shows don't generally interest me, anyways. Yeah. I, I'm not into watching, you know, serial killers and stuff like that as entertainment. <laughs> so it's like when I boycott canned tuna, it's super easy for me because I don't eat canned tuna yeah. anyway. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. That, that's kind of it. But, uh, but you know, I, I found out about it through the newsletter. Yeah. Right, which you should get, by the way. Yeah, go to <laughs> freightwaves.com/wtt. It comes out every Tuesday. It's the What the Truck newsletter. But here's the thing. So. ABC put out this show called Big Sky. Mm -hmm. It's about this truck driver, 38-year-old, I think his name's like Ron Pergman, something like that. The show starts out, he's kind of driving around. He's got this mom. He's got mommy issues. His mom harasses him. She FaceTimes him. She gives him grief about being a trucker. She looks down upon it. He's like, it's the lifeblood of the economy. Meanwhile, he's like deadheading around everywhere, like capturing, uh, you know, he captured a lady from a a, um, a rest stop. He captured a couple girls who were pulled over at National Park. They kind of did mess with him on the road. Yeah, but so a lot of people are saying though this just is like further taints the image of truck drivers. The ATA, uh, ATT, ACA was upset. A few other groups, I think, uh, even Oida chimed in on this one. Yeah, here's my take on it. Right? Okay. I think that if there was more positive trucking shows out there, nobody would even take notice. Agreed. This is like a cheesy ABC show. Who knows if it'll make a full season? It's based on a book. It's just rifling through that book right now. It's cheesy. It's kind of vanilla. Um, the one thing that makes it a little bit creepier, though, is because, like, ABC is an HBO, right? So there's only so much you can show. So sometimes, like, the more implied things make yeah. these types of things a little bit weirder. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in that camp, I guess. You know, I, I, my, my first thought is I'm, I'm definitely on ATA and, uh, you know, attacks side and so yeah. on. And, and I agree. Why, why not? Why, why isn't it a uh, kind of like a uh, superhero truck driver? Who goes around and saves people from these type of things crisscrossing the country, right? Well, I mean, guess who I nominated? That'd be pretty sweet. Guess who I nominated in the newsletter was Ingrid Brown. She'll be joining us today to talk about the uh, logistics of Christmas trees and okay. maybe about uh, our own series we could make about her. Yeah, Ingrid Brown crisscrossing the uh, United States as an over-the-road truck driver solving crimes. She should be. She should be. Holland Tree, she's got I some experience it. with that, too. By the way, how much do you think you ate on Thanksgiving? And do you want to guess what the average amount of calories that, a hu- that an American, not a human being, an American consumes on <laughs> Thanksgiving is? I would guess that I ate somewhere around four to 
4.7 million calories is what it feels, yeah. <laughs> feels like. I have no idea. What's the average person consume I, I, uh, on a normal day? I, I don't, I don't 4, know. 4,500, you know, they, you know, they recommend 2,000 for like a grown oh, yeah, man. Yeah, 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 4,500 yeah. for Thanksgiving for the average person. That's uh, that's a lot of calories. Does that, in, does that include uh, alcohol? That's a lot of empty calories. I think it's <laughs> even more if you put alcohol. Yeah, I if you did. If you think about it, I mean, like, what other holiday do you eat? You have the pumpkin pie. Like, at ours, we have pumpkin pie. We had apple pie. We had ice cream pie. Like, you just you eat, like, four or five meals in one meal. It is, and, it, and it, you're growing to the, it be accustomed that I'm full, but it's okay. We're going for the gut buster, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> gut buster and then food coma is the goal on Thanksgiving for many people. So Let's get down to business. Let's tip the band. On the road and off of it, the Axle Fuel Card has got your back. Get the credit you need to keep your fleet trucking. Plus, loyalty points and rewards are waiting at the next stop. Get approved at AxleFuelCard.com, subject to approval. And terms and conditions apply, Dooner. So, hey. Check them out directly after the show. Hey, very unsurprising story. Spoiler alert on FreightWaves.com. It Uh-oh. says, what would happen on Thanksgiving? What would Thanksgiving be like without truck drivers? That is the, uh, the question proposed mm. by this article. You know, Americans consume 46 million turkeys a year, 1.4 billion pounds of, of uh, poultry. But a lot of those other calories are coming from the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, the cranberry sauce, the pie crust, and all of the other materials that you need to to eat and have a great Thanksgiving. And consume 4,500 calories. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what would happen? Well, a lot of things would happen. I mean, first of all, you know, Jeff Turner, uh, Chop Tank president, right? Yeah. Chop Tank Transport president and CEO. He says, uh, and obviously I think we all agree, or most people do, and if you don't know this, you, you really should, that, you know, they've told, he said, we have told people for years that everything we have uh, got to you via truck at some point in its life cycles, and our drivers deserve a lot of gratitude for what they do. I think you know, you and I definitely agree, and there's many out there that, that do, but Thanksgiving without truck drivers could lead to some chaotic hoarding and profiteering the country faced earlier this year in the face of the coronavirus pandemic, right? So yeah. instead of hand sanitizers and stuff, yeah, Dooner selling uh, you know, cream of mushroom soup for $10 a can out of your yeah. apartment. I hang out in the back alley with That's a trench right. coat on. Hey. You need a stovetop? Hey. You need some. Yeah. You need you need some cream of mushroom soup. Yeah. Need a little stuff up. Got it right here. Yeah, right it's here. A premium right cost. It's a heavy soup. Hey, <laughs> Nico Brown, by the way, Nico Brown says basically Dexter is the truck driver. Ah, maybe if the show is better. Um, <laughs> Victoria, <laughs> I, I'm in the hate watch camp. By the way, I have my DVR set. I will continue to watch and monitor the show for you, our our viewers. So you'll support the show, but hate it the whole time. I don't, I'm not a Nielsen household, so it doesn't <laughs> matter, kidding. right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> no. yeah. But if it was better, it would be Dexter. Right. Victoria Leakey says, uh, hello, everyone. And Nico Brown is here as well. And Welcome. so is uh, Matt Henning. So thanks for joining Whoa. us, guys. Yeah, Our next story, we got, um, what's it called? Truck drivers on the list for a COVID-19 vaccine priority. So they're going to go straight into the front of the line, potentially. John Gallagher reports that truck drivers and other transportation workers deemed essential by the U.S. government could be among the first to receive this COVID-19 vaccine that we're talking about. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention explained in a recent update that the agency is making COVID-19 vaccine recommendations for the U.S. based on input from the Advisory Committee of Immunization Practices, a group of public health experts that works with the uh, that's within the CDC. Yeah, and I'm going to just say ACIP because that's too much. A little easier. (laughs) So included in the ACIP's recommendations, uh, the CDC noted, will be guidance on who should receive the COVID-19 vaccines in the case of limited supplies, right? And the ACIP is considering four groups to possibly recommend for early COVID-19 vaccinations. And, you know, reading through these groups, Dooner, I think they make logical sense. (laughs) Obviously, healthcare personnel, those with underlying medical conditions, people over 65, and workers in essential and critical industries. 
industries and among those defined by the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency as essential are truck drivers, warehouse operators, ship crew, ship crews, air cargo workers, and U.S. Postal Service. I think we would agree as we've uh, seen this play out over this past year. They are absolutely essential. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked about the different vaccines that were coming out. We had Pfizer. We had Moderna. Both have their own yeah. challenges. The biggest one may be the human logistics of having to get vaccinated twice within a month span. That might be the, the hardest part. But uh, one of the other ones that came up was dry ice, right? Another article yeah. on FreightWaves.com solving the dry ice challenge for COVID vaccines. So Eric Coolish reports that Express Delivery Logistics giant UPS on Tuesday said it's investing in machines to produce dry ice, right? We were told, uh, it's cold chain summit, right? We were told that yeah. there might not be enough dry ice and that got that in our head. That planted the seed. So we've been looking out for any news on this. Right. Well, uh, they're working with uh, Switzerland-based SkyCell, right? They revealed an ultra cold container that enables larger vaccine movements. So that, and it requires less dry ice as well. So they're trying to cut back on that. Yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, there's the investments in, in producing more. So the new investments come as governments and industries are racing, obviously, to get prepared for this massive logistics undertaking, the campaign to distribute billions of, uh, of vaccine uh, doses around the world times two. Yeah. <laughs> right. With early candidates requiring, obviously, robust uh, cold chain capabilities. I mean, cryogenic, minus 94 degrees, et cetera. UPS is one of a handful of top tier logistics companies involved in the initial delivery rush for vaccines and said its healthcare supply chain unit can now produce up to 1,200 pounds of dry ice per hour at the company's Worldport Package Hub in Louisville, uh, Kentucky. Yeah, and, you know, and it's not just the dry ice that is a problem as well. It's the liquid nitrogen for mm-hmm. the cryogenic freezers also in short supply. Make a supply chain work, you have to have people making all of these things. So everything from the dry ice to this liquid nitrogen to the vaccine itself to the trucks that move them. The World Health Organization, though, here's the scary thing. They say that uh, 2.8 million vaccines were lost in five countries due to cold chain failures. And less than 10% of countries meet WHO recommendations for effective vaccine management practices so hopefully we can modernize some of those supply chains as well we get these in the right hands we get the uh the truckers vaccine also we convince the public that they're safe and people will take them you know who's joining us now though no who the uh the the hero the hero of trucking it's ingrid brown she's the fmcsa cmv voice of safety operations uh, and a driver for fleener brothers Ingrid Brown, happy Thanksgiving to you, and thank you so much for being. I think this is your first video appearance on What the Truck, right, Ingrid? Ingrid, can we get some sound on her? There oh, she there is. There you are. There she is, the new star, star of Freightwave's new show, Truck Driver Vigilante. Yeah. What do we call it? Even Bigger Sky. Even Bigger Sky. I don't know about that, guys. I mean, solving like murders and victims, and I, I, that's like too depressing. Yeah. Have you seen Ingrid? Have you seen the show? Did you take uh, offense to Big Sky? Do you see it as just a a silly TV show? What's your take? Well, I think it's offensive, honestly. I mean, if you're a truck driver and this is your profession and you have any type of pride or anything in what we do, I mean, come on. Who wants to be stereotyped? I mean, we already are stereotyped for being, you know, trashy, nasty, whatever. I mean, thanks. Let's throw something else onto us. You know, no, we don't deserve that. We don't need that crap. Get away. Go. 
go. Yeah. He also dresses kind of like a nerd. He dresses like a milkman. He doesn't dress oh, like right? a tip. Yeah, he doesn't dress like Freight Bambino, that's for sure. Oh, well, he's not you the, do. He's not the flyest guy <laughs> on 18 wheels. Well, Ingrid, I don't know about you, but in my family, our tradition is to get a Christmas tree right in the weekend after Thanksgiving. What I learned from you, though, when I was trying to get a Christmas tree farm as we were looking to, to enhance some of our holiday specials, I talked to you and you said, you know what, Dooner, I myself have a little Christmas tree experience. Tell us a little bit about your background in dealing with trees. Well, actually, my family has grown trees for quite a few years. was an apple orchard. Everything was taken down, and it was Christmas trees. So in the process, um, we kind of co-opt with others in the area because I'm from the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. And um, literally through the whole process, I grew up with them in front of my face, all of the way around me, everything else. Right now, mine are, are pretty much all gone, but... I work uh, with uh, the people you spoke with, which is the Taylors at at uh, um, in Trade, Tennessee. And I've hauled trees forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's always kind of my holiday cheer. This year, I'm not able to. I'm not. And uh, I go everywhere, uh, all the way from whenever they're topped to where they're treated, sprayed, where they're literally uh, there's I guess I don't know how to say it, how to explain it. It's like a warehouse in a, like a pole barn without a top and they're placed by sizes and everything right there. It happens in front of my house as well. Now it happens on their farm, which is a couple of miles down the road. So transporting delivery, who they go to, how we do it, how it works. The, the old thing of where everybody used to hate to haul Christmas trees and says, I'm never hauling them again is change so much because where it was where drivers had to help load and unload now it's more processed to where you get to the farm, you back up, they put a conveyor belt up in, and they're literally conveyed in and stacked, 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 and you're gone. And uh, Tracy and Scott can load a truck in about 40 minutes, a full truckload. Wow. Get to the other end, man, it's a pull off and it's a done. Um, I've got a few of the ones I delivered to that I have since like 03. And I'll let them go ahead and drill holes in the bottom, put them on their Christmas tree lots, and voila. Uh, BFWs, charities, high school charities, um, lots. And I have a lot of the Beltway around D.C. is one of my favorites because I love the people. Um, Gadsden, Alabama, I'm usually there on Thanksgiving Day, the day after Thanksgiving, to VFW. And first time I delivered to them was in 2003. So uh, kind of that process I've been in it from the time they're planted and their saplings until processed and delivery. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. So the debate between fake and real oh. trees. Okay. Right? Well, no. Which I mean, side real, are you on? Real trees don't exist. I'm not into fake plastic trees, I, and I don't trust people who, who buy them usually. I'm not <laughs> saying everybody gets a fake plastic tree is bad, but I think a lot of bad people do have fake plastic trees. It's, you got to go real. You gotta, it happens once a year. You got to go real. It's better for the environment. It's better for the tree farmers. It's better for the looks. It's better for the smell. It's better for the feel. It's better for the touch, right? Ingrid, what team are you on? Are you on team fake or team real? I'm on team real, but here's a big difference that's happened is for so many years and all growing up, we used to dig the ball out of the ground so that you could take that tree out of the house, put it in a metal tub, wash tub, and it was everybody. Then you would take it and you'd plant it on your property. Now you very you never find ball trees. Mm. They're all cut, 
and they're disposed of. Um, you know, they use them for a lot of things at, at different sites and, and for mulch and, and that kind of stuff. But you don't find trees that are being replanted. So I'd really like to see the ball tree come back not only for the fact that it's a symbolization that if you plant it on your property afterwards, you know, that's a symbolization of Christmas. It's also giving back to the economic system. Uh, I just miss that. It's it just, they hold water better. So they're, they're definitely a thing inside where people have to water trees and they're worried about them, you know, drying out and, and the combustion levels of it, that kind of thing. So she goes further than just real versus fake. Yeah. Real ball trees. Yeah, I mean, that's at an apartment, that would be kind of tough for something to do with that. Are, are you team real? You don't I, have a box tree, do you? I'm, I'm real. I'm, okay. I'm team real. I do okay. have a box tree. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm, team, I'm team real. Okay. And, you know, right. I, you we'll know. just flag you. We'll keep a well, warning on you. <laughs> just, you can watch but hate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, like, they're saying the average cost of a tree. Something? They're saying the average cost of a tree is $75. $75 this year. Well, the fake trees are around 110 to 120. The guy, the guy who was trying to sell fake trees was saying, from 50 feet away, you can't tell the difference. Well, I'll tell you something. I don't sit 50 feet away from my Christmas tree. I sit right in front of my Christmas tree. <laughs> well, you, you, you know, the other thing is, go ahead, Ingrid. You can't, no, you can't smell them. You can't mm. smell them. But I'll tell you what. According to nature.org, right, 10 million artificial trees are purchased each season. Nearly 90% of them are shipped across from uh, the world from China. Wow. Which adds to the carbon footprint, right, which is not good. The artificial trees, most of them because of what they're built up, made out of, are not recyclable. Oh, yeah. Right? So they're hitting the landfills once they're done. Real trees and yeah. supporting those farms actually produces more trees being being planted and helps with forestation. And as Ingrid said, they can be repurposed as mulch, et cetera. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, well, there's a lot trees of trees is better for the environment, actually. Three hundred and fifty million Christmas trees are currently growing on farms right now, too. If people think like, oh, I don't want to cut the trees down, though. These are farm grown trees. Only two percent are cut in the wild. Right. So these are these are meant to be cut down. You're keeping the, the, the farms in business if you want to support them that way. One thing I did read, though, uh, Ingrid. Well, hold on, on the bait first. There was one year where, where fake trees almost won. Twenty seventeen. What was it 25 percent to 12.5 uh, percent? 2018. Oh, kind of near in the gap. 32.8 percent or 32.8 million real trees were bought. 23.6 million fake trees were wow. bought. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and a little bit deeper on that 350 to 50, uh, 500 million trees growing. That's what's growing to support the 30 million that are harvested every year. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. We buy 30 million trees, but it, the, the net is that 500 million are growing because they have to grow for so many years to be there. Right. So it helps with forestation, et cetera. Ingrid, how many trees do you fit in a truck? Uh, you know, it's like your typical seven foot tree. How many do you usually get in a trailer? Well, you know, you're looking at most trucks are four to seven to nine foot. Um, you can go 500, 520, 550, pretty much to a tree. Plus, you know, we haul garland, we haul reeds, we haul garland, um, and you load that on the back. So oh. that that's on top of it as well. And you got to think. Now, think of the Christmas experience. This is bringing families back together because most of these farms that grow these trees have cut and choose, where they let families come out, walk the farm, they let them choose the tree they want, cut it down and go through the whole hallmark process, if you want to say it that way. And, you know, that, that's a pretty neat thing there. 
Yeah. You know what? The, I like the to, Griswold uh, process. Well, I got I to ask Ingrid. So you have some inside information for us. What You know, I typically, oh, look, they put a green and uh, red lights behind us, too, for the holidays. Wow, Very festive. Thanks, that. production That's team. I just noticed sweet. that, too. Don't do things like that to people with ADD. We'll immediately get distracted, and then we're going to be talking about lights for the rest of the show. I like my shade in green. I, like yeah, I know. That's fantastic. That's a really per- that's a peach shade that they picked. I mean, peach isn't great. Yeah. That's a nice green shade. Well, Ingrid, my last question for you. When I like this season because when I go to the yard, I like to haggle like I'm at a Moroccan bazaar. So what's like the cost price of these Christmas trees so I know I'm not be- being taken for a ride? You'll have to ask Tricky that because oh. I'm not on the farm this year. All right. She'll be here <laughs> December 11th. You got to figure, and I'm going to say this because I'm going to take up for those of us that aren't home all the time. It's hard to put up a for real tree. Yeah. So sometimes okay. it has to come in okay. play, but only if you're not home. Okay, I will stop. I'll stop big skying the. Uh, I'll stop being the big sky of fake tree users, and I'll stop marginalizing the <laughs> fake tree people. I realize that there are extenuating circumstances that could give you a voucher or a waiver to put up that fake tree. Yeah. Ingrid, thank you so much for joining us today. If people want to reach and connect with you, where do we send them? I. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, and it's just my personal account. I don't do the the anything exciting there. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, hit me up. Thank you. Have a happy uh, have a happy holidays. Have a happy Black Friday right and take it easy. She needs Bye to get guys. out on get out on the road and solve some crime. Is what she needs to do. <laughs> I know we need a uh, private investigator Brown, <laughs> Detective Brown. That's right. Hey, you know what we have next? We talked about this story in headlines on Monday. Like we said, we want to highlight more of these charities on this yeah. show because Amen. we keep reading that they are not able to do it at the live events. So today we have Tom Kirk on of Truckers Christmas Group Organization. He's uh, I believe he's out of Butler, Pennsylvania. He's going to tell us a little bit about how his organization is making the holidays for truckers this year. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, guys, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here on behalf of Trucker's Christmas Group. Yeah. Hey, tell us a little bit about it. So if someone missed Monday's show or they just want some more information in your own words, what is Trucker's Christmas Group organization? We're a group of drivers that have been coming together over basically the last 13 Christmas seasons, and we raised funds to help trucking families and drivers in need. And it's a real simple process. Basically, people inform us or nominate a driver in need. We raise money to help those families, a minimum of $500 per family that we're able to help. That's awesome stuff. So, Tom, how do people give to the organization? You've, you've got to be strapped for, for some funding, I would think, with all the uh, live events being, uh, being canceled this year. Is that right? We, we really are. Well, we normally don't directly fundraise at the live events. We do most of our work right around this time of the year, the fundraising and mm. stuff. The live events is where we do our networking, line up donors, line up sponsors, things like that. But people can, uh, there's a few people doing random Facebook fundraisers where the money will come to us through the, you know, the Facebook Giving Foundation or the charity foundations there. But the best way to give to us is go to truckerschristmasgroup.org or tcgo.org. We have a donor donate button there where they can donate. We also have an online store with some items that people can buy that are donated by a bunch of great companies out there, such as um, uh, AirDog, uh, OPS1, Flow Below. Uh, I think it's RWA Strapwinder out of Canada. They just stepped up this year and donated 25 of their Strapwinder systems, which is basically a $5,000 donation. So wow. we've had some companies, and they're a brand new sponsor to us this year. Uh, they heard about what we do and have really stepped up to the plate. And that's one of the things that's important for companies to remember. Even though it's kind of the last minute, you can still step up to the plate now. Uh, we do do the 
store year-round. So there are ways that people can help us. We're not 100% a Christmas-only charity, though our focus is at Christmas time. Let me give you a little cowbell for those who've already helped you so far, too. How to how to ring that bell for you, just like the uh, Salvation Army, right? With hey, the red hey, kettle. Okay, the I, red I, kettle I, alone. Okay, I, I, I have to say it. More cowbell. More cowbell. <laughs> so, Tom, let me ask you. So, you are your group. Most, I think, all of them, or at least most of them that work with you, are truck drivers, right? Truck drivers are, uh, you know, proudful people. But I've heard that you can you can also uh, fill out an application anonymously. You can nominate someone to be helped out by your group around the holidays. Tell me a little bit about your background as a driver and how that informed how you how you built out this charity. Uh, for me personally, I've been driving about 15 years, and probably about after about two, two or so years of driving, my son was hit by a pickup truck in front of our house where he broke his femur, had to be life-flighted down the Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh, and that was October-ish, um, early November, and that kind of threw us for a loop, added some extra bills, expenses we weren't expecting, and this was actually pre-Truckers Christmas group, and the community found out what had happened and stepped up, and the landlord brought us ham for Christmas dinner. Other people brought us toys for my son, et cetera. He had the best Christmas ever from that perspective. I mean, I mean, that kid made out like a bandit. But seeing what a, how much stress that took off of me as a dad, kind of wondering how we're going to make things work. You know, you're out there on the road already stressed about certain things and wondering how you're going to make Christmas work. Having those people stepped up was great. This is a way for me to personally give back. And a lot of our volunteers have been driving for, you know, 50 plus years or however many years. And as a result, they've had similar experiences, been able to pay it forwards. And really that's kind of what we do now. A lot of our volunteers, like you said our truck drivers or trucking families that we have helped um, and some of them are just people who have a passion for the industry but the core group of drivers that do, that does what we do on a daily basis uh, we all run this charity from our trucks so you know it, it makes it a lot more interesting and challenging to do what we do because you're trying to squeeze it among loads and everything else and making sure the truck is stopped for interviews like this and it, it makes life a lot more interesting yeah, I thought it was very interesting, uh, Tom. And just let me say this: it's yeah. it's it's really uh, it's really inspirational, and it gives me a good feeling in my heart to see how a tragic or potentially very tragic incident with your son not only produced a, 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 the coming together of your community there, but produced this, yeah. right? And drove you to do this. So good comes out of many things. You just got to look yeah. for for that way to, to make that happen. But one of the interesting things that you said was that one of your biggest challenges is getting applicants. And uh, so where do people nominate one? And what are some of the difficult things or what are some of the things that you need help with uh, this year and next year raising meeting goals? Well, the easiest way to nominate, actually, really, the only way to nominate is go to www.tcgo.org. Right at the top of the page, you know, where there's an about link, there's the SOAR, there's something that says nominations. Click on that. It, go, it explains a little bit about the process, and there's a form below. And, you, and if you're nominating someone, you fill in as much information as you have available. If you don't know their CDL or certain other information, that's fine. If you want to remain anonymous, that's fine. It's basically a way to say, I want to nominate this person and here's the reason why and if you want to nominate yourself or apply for yourself you can do that there as well and really what it comes down to is 
drivers are used to being the ones to help, whether it's responding to uh, stranded motorists along the side of the road or what, or communities in need, kids in, that need something for Make-A-Wish, et cetera. We're always among the first to respond, and we're not good about asking for help. We're not good saying we need this. You know, last year we had a driver that was that someone applied for, and he kept saying, well, things aren't that bad. And by the end of the phone call, we all wanted to kind of shake him by the shoulders. Dude, things really are that bad by the time we heard his story. And that's a lot of the things we see our biggest challenges. Drivers don't think their situation is that bad. And when they come and talk to us and share their story, we kind of realize, yes, it actually was that bad or worse than they thought. Going into next year, we're going to need volunteers for vetting, helping us get donations. Because to be perfectly honest, a lot of shows have been canceled. A lot of our opportunities for networking have been curtailed to some extent because while we've got some great relationships through facebook twitter and other things you miss that personal connection so really anyone who can introduce us to things a trucking musician such as bill weaver um ken freeman paul mahoffer and others have really stepped up to help uh, leon everett a country artist from a while back has actually stepped forward to help as well so we're bringing together a community and really at the end of the day that's what it's about it's building a community that can provide some emotional support and understanding as well as some financial aid as well we'll have to we'll have to reach out to you after the show too to get some contact information on those musicians that you mentioned we, yeah, uh, we have a segment on here called play it forward where people in supply chain be a truck driver to broker to any point in between you play an instrument instrument you have a talent we're happy to have you on the show to yeah. feature a little bit of your music and interview you it's just something that uh that we do on this show one thing i think that's really cool about your organization though is that the stress is kind of it's, it's almost like santa clausy and it's like here's 500 dollars, go buy some gifts right it's not like you don't have to be guilty about avoiding the bills or anything the whole purpose is to give a trucker and his family a little boost right a little juice at the uh, at christmas time that's really about i mean simply put christmas is a time of hope or at least that's how most people see it but if you're you're going through financial problems um illness which a lot of our drivers or families are going through you, you you've kind of lost that sense of hope it's dark you don't know where you're going to turn to. And that's really what we do. We provide a ray of hope, an opportunity for them to make some lasting positive memories around what could be a very challenging time. Well, we thank you so much for your time today. One more time, where do people go to give to this amazing cause? Very easy. Go to www.tcgo.org. All the information on how to donate is right there, whether you want to mail in a check. If you would prefer to be a company and, and get involved with the store in some other way, just email Mark, M-A-R-K, at tcgo.org. He's our uh, president, and he'll make sure you get in contact with the right person. Well, we really appreciate it. Thank you for taking some time out uh, over this holiday weekend, stopping your truck and letting our audience know a little bit more about what your organization is trying to do. Uh, God bless you and have a, a great holidays. Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to share our story today. Thank you. We, Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Wow. We're happy to let it be heard. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Spread exactly. the word, man. And if, if guys out there, if you know of an organization that helps out uh, our community at all, we haven't covered them yet. Just reach out to me. We're more than happy again to, to fe- as long as they're on the up and up, we're more than happy yeah, to feature, absolutely. get the message out there. I personally think it's good content too. Like I love hearing these stories. I like hearing that background. Oh, yeah. I like him saying how we started and it was like that near tragedy and you pointed it out so succinctly and so perfectly he, he took a bad situation and he created something great out of it and he pushed yeah. it forward. Look at how many people are getting blessed out of that, out of that situation. I love it. It's, it's tremendous. I love I it. I love too. it, man. I well, today it is Black Friday, so we have our, you may have read his, uh, he's got a newsletter. It's, you know, 
It's not the what the truck newsletter. Yeah. It's point of sale. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It's, it's part very of, good, actually. It's part of Freightways Communities. It's definitely uh, one of my favorite new newsletters that we've done. I've, I've read every single issue of it. It's Andrew Cox. He's our research retail and freight guy right here at Freightways. And I believe that he is over in Nashville right now. Hey, Andrew, thanks for taking some time out on the holidays to talk with us. Hey, lads. Happy Black Friday. Thanks for having me. But you don't have that EPB love down there in Nashville, do you? I see that you're on audio. We couldn't get your video up. <laughs> yeah, well, that and these these computers that Freightwaves gives us, they don't have the best webcam on them. So I didn't want to oh. bring down the video <laughs> quality here. Whoa, oh, okay. Whoa. All right. Well, this in the IT department. I guess so. Let's do someone else from Freightwaves. Let's dish Zach Strickland because I was watching Freightonomics, and you guys should all catch right. Freightonomics. It's on it's on Wednesdays at two p.m. Eastern time. But there's a the the term Black Friday, right? He yeah. said that. That it, it's the it's the way I think most of us know it as the one we've heard, yeah. which is that it's called Black Friday because it's when all retailers go from the red to black or most of them do. But it turns out that that may not be 100 percent true. There's a few different origins of this term. Andrew, are you familiar with that at all? Yeah, I've heard some of the different stories. Uh, I know there's there's something about the there's one coming out of Philly that has to do just with the uh, it was black because of the people that worked on the retailers. There was a big tourism. I think it was also attached to the Navy uh, Army football game. There's a lot of tourists that came into town and kind of overloaded the the retailers. So they they saw it as Black Friday because it was a very difficult day. Yeah, and well, yeah, and Michael right. Vincent, you like the gold fixing one, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's actually, yeah, I like the one about uh, who's it, Jay Gold and Jim Fisk in 1869 trying to corner the gold market, and uh, their scheme was uncovered and crashed the stock market and basically busted everybody. And uh, on September 24th was the original Black Friday. Yeah, we that was the, those guys were the the turkeys of the year on one of our 1800s <laughs> episode of, of what the truck a, a few uh, a few generations <laughs> a few it. generations ago. I was watching on the news. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people wouldn't go out and shop on Black Friday. One of them is that online sales have been going on since uh, this 75-day peak season. Uh, also, you know, coronavirus, don't want to get in yeah. fights over masks or, or TVs. Everyone may have a 4K TV already, too. I'm not sure how you wouldn't. But, Andrew, what is store traffic going to look like today? Um, and what is Black Friday as a holiday in terms of total sales going to look like? I think Black Friday as a whole will be positive year over year in the low to mid single digit range. I think if you look at the the most recent data that I pay attention to from Bank of America is their consumer spending data. They've had some really strong weeks. The latest data is up to the 21st of November, and total card spending is up exceptionally, 9.1% uh, year over year. That's great. It was up you know, in the 4 to 5% range for much of October and November, so you're kind of seeing a ramp. So I expect uh, online spending to be really strong uh, in Black Friday right now, especially in electronics and home improvement and the, the kind of the nesting, stay-at-home type of goods. Those are going to do really well. They're up, you know, roughly 100, 120 percent year over year. And then in-store traffic, I think in-store traffic will be flat uh, to slightly down this year, simply, as you said, it because of the deals that they've been offering throughout the year or throughout the month and will continue to offer uh, leading up to, to Christmas. I don't think there's going to be that much of a rush to get into the stores, but I think they're, they're going to have probably flat-ish uh, sales in stores. Yeah. Now, see, in my family, there are some uh, what I would I would deem to be professional shoppers. Oh, <laughs> and the sentiment between the in, in the professional shoppers uh, category is is kind of seeing this as the week that you got to get it done, even ordering online. Otherwise, the uh, supply chain cycles aren't going to get it there to Christmas on time. Uh, do you see pressures in, in that, uh, Andrew? 
Oh, there's definitely there's definitely pressures uh, for for retailers to get the goods out of uh, out of their out of the shelves. So one of the big things that they've been doing, and, and one I'd argue that you don't have to do that, is just this rise of buy online, pick up in store, the BOPUS, that they've made it very easy. Almost every retailer, if you want to compete in this COVID-19 uh, pandemic world, you have to have buy, buy online, pick up in store. So I wouldn't say that, you know, that there are supply chain pressures, but I think they're doing their best to, to mitigate those with other offers like, the, like delivery and, and pick up in store. I was looking at one of some of the best days are for deals, and it's not always Black Friday. Black Friday is just a, a very sort of heavily marketed day. But what I was looking at said most deals for electronics are offered at the beginning of November, the best deals. The best day to save on Christmas decor, November 22nd, discounts are 23% on average. Uh, many online sell discounts are better on Thanksgiving Day. So you already missed it, are better on yeah. Thanksgiving Day for sporting goods and apparel, with the average discount being 24%. Um, and if you dare wait, the last few days of shopping season often advertise pretty good product discounts at 10 to 15% either. But you know what? Have you looked at any of, what does the hiring look like this year? The other data I was looking at was in 20, in 2008, during the Great Recession, only 22, uh, 263,000 seasonal workers were hired, staggeringly low compared to the usual, which is around 700,000 workers. Are we seeing anything like this this year? So I don't know about the the overall total, but I can give you a couple anecdotal evidence uh, that there are going to be a lot of seasonal shoppers this year. Walmart has doubled their uh, number of in-store personal shoppers up to 157,000. I know uh, Shipped, which is a same-day delivery kind of last-mile company that's run similar to Uber, but it's owned by Target. They've got over 200,000 shoppers just shopping in Target uh, over the next couple weeks. So you just put those together and you add in some of the other big retailers and stores. There's going to be a lot of seasonal workers and a lot of people that are just going to be delivering uh, same-day delivery mm. from things like Uber and, uh, and and DoorDash and all those things as well. So I think I think there's going to be a lot of seasonal workers uh, hired, and then they're going to look to 2021 to see if uh, how quickly that vaccine comes back, how quickly people start spending money on services, and we see that goods demand come down a little bit. Well, we're yeah. starting to see FedEx packages delivered by U-Hauls and stuff too. It's that oh, time yeah. of the year where just truck capacity yeah. you know runs out. They got to start extending into uh, into that market. So seasonal employee employment is would be up, yeah. maybe in non traditional or what you think of warehouses, yeah. right? DCs, yeah, fulfillment, delivery. So, Andrew, I've got a question for you. One, is it true that uh, Black Friday is the busiest day of the year for plumbers? And, and, <laughs> and if so, would you recommend that you just go ahead earlier in the week and set an appointment for Friday, like, Ooh, say, on Monday, so you yeah. don't, uh, you know, you avoid the, the issue of not being able to get yeah. one on Friday? Uncle Vincent's coming over. <laughs> you should have plumbers yeah, here. That, that's what I was, was going to say. Depending on who made the trip this year, uh, you might have had to make the appointment early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the average shopper spent. Suppose the average shopper spends $1,000 on Black Friday. I'm not sure if they're adding other days, maybe this whole holiday weekend. Do you have any numbers on the spend this year? What's the outlook? Is it going to be down or up? I know we talked about TransFix on Monday, and I think they said um, 60% of buyers said that they were going to be buying more this year. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are because, especially those of us with kids, you feel a little bit bad you weren't able to do as much this year yeah. You know, with, uh, with the coronavirus and all that. Yeah, I've seen estimates on both sides, and I've, and honestly, arguments on both sides make sense. I've seen the the one that makes the most sense to me is that shoppers will spend slightly less this year, but it, the the main drop in spending will be the drop in spending on stuff buying for themselves. They're going to be spending uh, as much or more on other people this year, but people have said in a lot of surveys that they're going to plan to spend less on themselves. And overall, uh, I do I've seen that thousand dollar number quite often, and that's I think that's more of a holiday spending overall. And I saw that this this year they were estimated to spend $50 less uh, than they did last year. And that was almost solely on personal items. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. Personal. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, I got to tell you, Andrew, do you wait? Like when I was, when I was your age, I used to wait till the last minute. I was the guy on target on Christmas Eve night in that big long line with all the other, uh, with all the other dudes and the, the, the late planners. I've changed uh, significantly, especially this year, but also since I've had kids, you got to get ahead of things. There's things they want. You just can't find. Right. Do you shop well in advance? Are you almost done with your Christmas shopping? Uh, yeah, no, I'm a terrible shopper. But I, oh. I, I wait till the last minute for everything. But I rely on my wonderful girlfriend to keep me prepared. And, and we buy most of our stuff off like Etsy and personalized goods mm. this year because uh, we got we have two people in our family that have bought new homes. So we kind of get we're, we're tying in together the new home and Christmas gift together. So we've been preparing on Etsy uh, in months ahead because it takes a while. But typically, if she wasn't with me, if I if I didn't have her, I would be doing all my shopping in the two weeks leading up to Christmas. He makes a great a great point, too. Like I use I use Etsy, but like the stores that sell Etsy like stuff like at Signal Mill, there used to be this store called Guinevere or something or other. Oh, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, but yeah. that all is like odds and ends and the kind of things you wouldn't know to look for online. You kind of have to run across in person and, and you'll be like, oh, this is an amazing gift for my mom. Yeah. Unfortunately, they went out of business to do this COVID thing. That uh, location did. Genevieve Bond is yeah. what you were thinking yeah. of, I think. Yeah. That's the name of that. But yeah, I, no and I'm, I'm with you. My wife keeps me on my toes, and she's the one who's pushing it. And, and I, she's bought Christmas presents, like, in February for the next year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's, wow. she, when she sees it, she buys it and keeps it, right? Well, Andrew, let's send you some Christmas presents. How do people sign up for your uh, brand-new newsletter? Yeah, you can go to FreightWaves.com slash communities and select point of sale. So this is just a newsletter that tries to bridge the gap and cover the retail supply chain in kind of a fresh uh, new way. So I'd look at a bunch of news articles and as well as bring in proprietary data and surveys and just give you insights and try to uh, an analysis of the evolving retail supply chain. It's very interesting. So go to point of sale, uh, FreightWaves.com slash communities. Well, enjoy the rest you of your weekend. Thank you so much, Andrew. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good show. Nick Romer says that he uh, he's going to be doing some serious shopping tonight. I didn't know they celebrated Thanksgiving in Australia. Is that where he's at? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't think they do. Don't <laughs> do they? They give gifts backwards. Oh, that's the I, toilet. We we celebrate toilet Cinco flush. de Mayo. So yeah. Why not? No, I, I love I love Australia. <laughs> Go for uh, it. Rhonda already did her. Uh, she did her holiday shopping yesterday online, and she saved some serious cash. I was in the. Uh, I get a lot of like the digital stuff now, like the video games. Like yeah. I was in the PlayStation online store. They had like seventy five percent, eighty percent discounts in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I find it interesting that this is the first year. Like some of the Christmas uh, requests from my my daughters are like upgrades to some of the games they have on their iPads and stuff. Right? They yeah. want their gift is a digital gift. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> let's bring Steve up. Steve Steve Ferrari is a founder and CEO of Ocean Audit Inc. He also does a show you may have seen this morning at nine thirty a.m. a.m. Eastern Time. Navigate B to B. Hey, a lot of this crap we buy it comes from overseas and it comes here on a boat in a box. And uh, Steve is the guy who checks that kind of stuff. How you doing? Steve, does that suit still fit after Thanksgiving? Hey, Tim. Hey, Michael. I don't know. A lot of apricot uh, and uh, pecan pies, you know, so who knows? Yeah, he's got the sweatpants on. Oh, though. yeah. See, he's not standing up. So No, no sweats today. No sweats today. <laughs> we've, been, we've, we've, we've been very busy at the news desk. We, we ran through a great show today, a NAV B2B. You see, I'm even using the shorthand for it, so I'm feeling really good today. <laughs> Rob is in the comments trying to put together, uh, trying to get a laptop for Andrew. <laughs> so is you really yeah, putting yeah. together a fund? Yeah. You know, what's fund? Good, the thing is, it's hard to get webcams. Uh, Steve, you already had a webcam, but if you went shopping for webcams right now, it's difficult. And it's been difficult ever since like March when we went into lockdown. So it's been hard to even get enhancement uh, webcams going. But what's been coming overseas? What's in these boxes? What are people buying this year? 
Well, that, that, that's the thing, right? You know, we talked a little bit about it on today's show and, uh, you know, today's Black Friday, right? And my, my, my first comment was, is, is that even a thing anymore? Um, you know, we start to see the advent of, uh, I tracked Amazon uh, logistics over the last three days in real time. Over 600 containers uh, versus uh, 200 at the same time last year. This is just from November 21 to 24th. And believe it or not, in those containers, you see, you know, probably 30 of them were TV mounts. You know, 20 of them were, uh, you know, um, uh, cozy, cozy, cutty, uh, cozy buddies, you know, cup holders for your lounge chairs. I mean, it's a lot of uh, consumer goods in man cave type stuff. Mm. At, well, I mean, that makes sense. At right? home comforts, right? Yeah, at yeah. home comforts. Yeah, that, that, those, little, that. those little cozy buddies, you know, cup holders that fit into the rocker chairs, you know, those little holder things. I mean, there's, you know, uh, speaking Walmart of chairs, Steve. Is... Steve, speaking of, speaking of chairs, you one of the things he was talking about on his show, I watched it this morning, right? Okay. I, do, I always do my scouting reports on everybody. And yeah. I was watching your show. Watch out, Dooners watching. You're showing, yeah, watch out. You're showing the recumbent bikes, right? You're showing the recumbent bikes that Amazon was selling. And it made me think of two things. One, the recumbent bike right. you showed looked kind of janky and uncomfortable. And two, whatever happened with that Echelon bike, the Echelon Prime bike? Yeah, the Echelon Prime bike, they got in a whole bunch of trouble on that because Echelon didn't clear it with the Amazon marketing folks, I guess. And so that got uh, out of stock real quick and real silently. And, and so, you know, who knows what happened there? But uh, it looks like they've gone with, you know, more of a, a bulk bike that they can uh, price at the right price points and kind of, you know, in some ways contrast to what the Peloton craze is. So, Steve, are, are you watching the? I know you're watching the cycle times right now. Is it? Is it? Should people be fearful of uh, waiting too long to buy those Christmas gifts because uh, those uh, bookings are going further and further out into the uh, into the future to try and get uh, containers across the ocean? You know what I think it is. It's it's really interesting, and I don't mean to diminish the fact that everyone has a. Uh, across America, uh, Black Friday um, type of tradition where you go in and, you know, the elderly guy gets trampled over at the store, you know, where the gates open. I don't want to take that uh, experience away from people, but what we're seeing today, one of my experts on, on call today, John Monroe, a good friend of mine from John Monroe Consulting, you know, he talked about he's got a real pulse on what's happening on the bookings. And here's, the, here's really one of the main takeaways is that the December bookings, Bookings that haven't even loaded and ship on ship in Asia, they're actually stronger than this month, which is a first. Phenomenal. You know, so, go ahead. I, just on, on furthering Amazing. that, there's there's one stat I was looking at. This was actually in Paul Page's uh, logistics report. It was, the number was it was the number of the day. It was four point seven eight, and it said the average number of days containers waited for handling at the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach in October, the longest uh, records dating back to twenty sixteen for these port time delays. Right. Wow. Right. I think that there's a heat map out there right now. If you look at the uh, the, the vessels out in the dock, I mean, uh, out in the uh, harbor, I don't know how many are out there waiting to unload. But, you know, it's, a, it's actually brings me to, I think, the number one or two story that I'm, I'm watching is the Federal Maritime Maritimes Commission interest in, you know, looking at the uh, uh, the organization, the ocean freight shipping companies. Um, and uh, the uh, the cartel, uh, the word cartel is unfortunately back in the vocabulary here. And I think watching demerge and detention, there was a piece on LinkedIn. Uh, Michael Gollin, who I follow a lot on LinkedIn, said that over 150 million has been spent recently on detention and demerge. 
and the FMC has been a little slow to react in, in helping out these, the, the communities uh, at the key ports around the country. But the fact is they have some serious investigations going on right now, and it's going to be really interesting to see what the repercussions are. Yeah, yeah, that 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 will be interesting to see what what comes out of that. You know, Steve, you, 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 we read about these uh, you know enhancements at the port of L.A. and, and so on, like uh, uh, the employment of a uh, development of the return signals, right, to try and improve the efficiencies. They're talking about you know container stacks so high that just moving ten, twelve moves to get one container onto a chassis to move it is really slowing things down, et cetera. And they're starting to, I mean, they've been investing in infrastructure, but that seems to be picking up. And that would lead me to believe that they're bullish on the future of this. What's your outlook going into Q1 and Q2? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you, you know, you got to look at a, a couple different uh, genres here. So blockchain, you know, we used to think in blockchain and ocean that would help us a lot out of these these quagmire issues and, and blockchain for ocean, for trucking and other modes. It's probably the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, blockchain for ocean is just not going to cut it. I think right now it's it's a uh, it's a zero sum in game strategy where you know you really have to align yourself with the right three PLs and trucking companies and try to salvage and get those uh, dwell days down to a minimum. There's no panacea here that's going to really be the cure all and be all and end all. But I think that uh, the media does tend to portray. Um, some simplicity to potentially solving these problems. And these are, these are legacy problems that have been caused by antiquated port and infrastructure. And I think that if Container Geddon has done one thing, the Biden administration and, uh, and other officials to start looking at infrastructure and development. Yeah, Steve, I spent... Um... In the middle of September, when they started doing the pre-orders for the PS5, I spent about five hours one night securing one of those. And it was like, you know, it was a big pain in the butt. I know a lot of people right now, there's huge markups. We covered in the show. It's like $2,000 on eBay for a PS5. Um, PS5, you know, they keep denying they have supply chain issues. Sony is denying that. But uh, uh, there, there seems to be some shortfalls. Are more PS5s coming? Are you tracking any of those containers? You know, the PS5 is a buzz in the Ferrara household with a 15, 10, and a 9-year-old. And I'll mm. tell you what, you know, my son came to me, he said, Dad, can I buy one on the uh, secondary market at, at Double? <laughs> and I said, you know what, this might be a great uh, showpiece. So I started to dig around a little bit. And I'm not going to say I'm an economist or a market strategy, or I'm going to even pretend that my data was 100% accurate. But what I found is I found serious PS5s coming into the country in September and October, and a dramatic, dramatic drop-off in the number of PS5 units coming in all through November. And for the life of me, I started to think that could this be a viral strategy, you know, to create mm -hmm. dem demand? I won't go there, but the numbers can't lie, right? Ocean doesn't lie that much because the containers are the containers. But the number on, just to give you a real quick uh, synapse, uh, uh, synopsis on, excuse me, the number on um, uh, October was about three to 350,000 PS5 units. And November as of 1126, about 150,000. Interesting. Have you have you followed other console releases though? Because this seems to happen every time a new console comes out. And Vincent and I have been talking about this since like 
I think the spring, right? When Sony yeah. was like, oh, we, we're probably not going to make that many, you know, yeah, coronavirus absolutely. pandemic, yeah. you know, only, only, it's only impossible to get a Nintendo Switch and video games at stores. So why would we put a bunch of PS5s in there? That's right. right? Why would we do that? Yeah, Everybody do that? wants one. Now Steve's kid doesn't have one. He's got, Steve is like, you, you can't do an arbitrage on PS5s. Steve, <laughs> we're, we're running out of time here. How do people reach out? When do they go and catch uh, B2B, that kind of thing? Well, every Friday, we're going to do live show, 9.30 to 10 o'clock. You can catch us there. Catch us on LinkedIn at Steve Ferreira or Ocean Audit uh, Incorporated. And I am uh, thrilled to see you guys and wish you and your families a great holiday season. Same for you. We'll hey, ring a little cowbell for you. We'll ring a little bell. Hey, wait, Steve. Steve, Steve, before yeah. you go, you want, to, you want to spin the wheel real quick? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see what he lands I love on. It. Let's dun, see what he dun, lands dun, on. Dun, dun, I hope he gets dun, the octagon. Dun, 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 I hope he gets the octagon. Oh, it is dealer's choice. So I get to pick the my octagon. own stupid question. Okay. What is the largest number you've ever counted to? 499,000. Did you really? You really sat there counting to 499,000? Yeah, it was one of these 500,000 bottles of beer on the wall. 500,000 oh. bottles of beer. Yeah, okay. I didn't make it to 500,000. These are going to be rapid fire. Question two. He was drinking a beer for each one that he counted. Question two. (laughs) Wouldn't you lose count at some point? You just make it up. Real or fake tree? Fake, but as um, highest money can buy to make it look real. Hybrid. (laughs) There you go. All right. Maybe his looks good from 25 feet away. We'll we'll let him go with that. I mean, we'll we'll let that slide because I've got my new quote of the day. All right. You know what it was? What? Ocean doesn't lie. It doesn't that lie. That much. It doesn't lie. Hips don't lie either. <laughs> said, but, All right. I, uh, I, listen, I, got that, I, got that, I got that. From, I got that from Michael Douglas. Wall Street. Money doesn't lie. So that's one of my favorite. Or okay. that? money doesn't sleep. Sorry. So. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Here's my last one for you. What color is a mirror? Mm. A mirror is um, a mirror is black. Okay. All right. <laughs> Maybe his are. Thank you, easy, Steve. Thank you for joining us today on What the Truck. We appreciate it. We'll catch you on Navigate B2B, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, Fridays. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. He's got to go start training for that Octagon fight with uh, me, you, and uh, Bill Driegert. Oh, well, Nick said, by the way, Nick says he, he does a hybrid tree like Steve. A hybrid tree. So I think you put some real branches into the <laughs> fake uh, stem, right? The fake okay. base. And I you go you. and you get some real ones. All right, everybody, it's that time of year again. Well, I, this is actually our first inaugural. We didn't really have it's one for time Gould. Of year again. In, uh, yeah, we didn't really have one for Gould in the 1800s. We're not vampires. We haven't been alive forever. We could do a retro show, though, and kind of. We could. We should do that. Yeah. We'll do it like steampunk style. Yeah. Well, yeah. right now we're going to give away the turkey of the year. So let's go to the clip release. Let's see who <laughs> the 2020 the year turkey of the year is. The house was a house of glass, right? So when a crack started happening, the whole thing came down. That's incredible because we're really the only company that has been vertically integrated from the beginning to the end. Told them that we were running a prostitution ring. Did you have a good, good Thanksgiving? No. 99% of them are all lies. Uh, I would say it was a tough one, but this year, this no, year, pretty easy. It was tra- it was Trevor Milton, uh, former founder. Well, I guess he can't be a former founder. He's always going to be the founder of Nikola. <laughs> yeah, former right. uh, executive chairman of, of Nikola. He, uh, as, yeah. as you know, you know, he told a great story. We had him on the show he in told June. A great story. We believed him. I wanted to believe him. I like some sustainability. I'm like, I well, it sounds it. great what they're saying, right? Yeah, it does. It does sound great. Great American story, you know, and he kind of launched off this whole SPAC thing. And it was like, wow, well, you know, it's almost sounded too good to be true. 
It, it almost did. <laughs> Turns out a lot of what he was talking about, a lot of things he was promising on terms of battery technology, hydrogen build out, their yeah. own factories. What was going on with some of these vehicles? Where they were in progress? How much money they raised? Were they in motion? Were they not in motion? Yeah. Yeah. The Hindenburg <laughs> report kind of exposed all of that. And then everyone just started looking deeper and deeper. And we sort of unraveled this thing of life. And what I found really interesting, though, hmm. was that during all of this time, right, leading out to the Hindenburg, Trevor Milton, he would get called out by other people and he would do things like Trevor with the trolls on his Instagram and he would really engage with people. Yeah. Making a lot of unfortunate sound bites when it does turn out that maybe all of this stuff isn't is allegedly not yeah. on the up and up. It's left uh, it's left it's left Nikola in a bit of a bind. You know, you still don't know the status of the GM deal. For some reason, their stock is still doing pretty well. But if you go on Freightways.com, you'll see a story that on Monday Trevor Milton could sell his stock, which could be devastating for uh, for that company. December third, some big dates coming up. December third is the day when both parties can walk away from the GM deal. So by December fourth, we'll know if that's happening or not, or maybe they'll give an extension. Um, we'll know what's going on, right? The good news for Nikola, the good news is that some of their partners, right, some of their partners did say that they were going to lock in on their shares uh, until next year. So it won't be a huge sell-off, but still, you know, their CEO, Mark Russell, says he can't comment for Trevor, but we believe as we execute our milestones and our business plan, we're going to reward our longtime focused shareholders. And look, to Nicholas credit, to yeah. Nicholas credit, they may not always have the best answers because of the hole that Trevor put them in, but it does seem like they're trying to be more honest. They're trying to be more up and up. And um, I think the market has seemed to, it's following them upwards, saying, okay, maybe they've straightened out this ship. Well, they're definitely responding in a, in a much more politically correct manner. Yeah. Uh, um, which, you know, they could have done well to hire some coaches uh, a while back. It seems like <laughs> they tried, you know, it's one of those, like, if you've ever read, what was it, Super, not Super Size Me, that's the, that's the guy where the guy eats all the McDonald's. Um, yeah. It was a Michael Lewis book. Say, the, the, the one about Uber. The book about Uber, right? Super pumped. The, Super pumped. The book about Uber. It yeah. talks about sort of the eccentric Nick, uh, the eccentricness and the eccentricities of some of these founders, and their, you know, the the the, the always optimism that you need. And uh, and well, and that pirate nature in the beginning needs yeah. to be kind of still there for innovation and moving forward, but tamed a bit for the public consumption. Right? Yeah, is is kind of a lot of what he was talking about as well. Yeah. Does the turkey of the year get a cowbell, or do we have a different noise? For winning that award, or well, and I think we should clarify this isn't for this isn't for Nicola. This is just for what, what went down with yeah. uh, with with Trevor Milton, and um, yeah. you know, hopefully, it's all in in, in good jest. Yeah, right. Absolutely, turkey. It I absolutely mean, is turkey. It's right. Turkey Day, and little good so. news, bad news before yeah. we let you go. To this is a really interesting one. I don't know if any of you were impacted by that. I know our, our podcast stats were. The first I noticed of this outage was when I was going to just see how some of our shows were doing. Well, you may have also noticed if you had a robot vacuum or a smart appliance, and you know the good news is you bought. One of those on Black Friday, you think your new robotic vacuum is going to do all the heavy sweeping for yeah, you, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, the bad news is that a couple days ago, AWS CloudWatch US East One went down, meaning that many net connected devices were rendered completely useless, right? God. Technology. It I works well when it works. <laughs> yeah, iRobot came out. They said an Amazon AWS outage is currently impacting our iRobot home app. They put that out there. Some users said, my effing doorbell doesn't work between AWS. His doorbell doesn't, his doorbell doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, he must have had like a ring video doorbell. So yeah. no one can, he can't open his door because no one can ring it. I guess. I don't know. Someone, you can knock. You go back to knocking. Yeah, I don't know if you want to go that far back in technology. Knocking. Come uh, on. Another guy was Who saying that, that his Christmas lights can't work. I'm not it sure if he had savages. some smart. He had his Christmas Christmas lights attached to a smart sensor. Roombas had trouble, all of that. And, you know, 
It's funny how we always make, create infrastructure issues for ourselves. Like you, you yeah. save it with the grid, you save it with electricity. Then we'll just give us new infrastructure issues as we push the internet to the extents of its boundaries and become more reliant on that. So very human nature. Yeah, it, it's a well, it, I mean, it's a slippery slope. And sometimes you find yeah. out just how far that slope goes down when something like this. Goes, you I mean, no Christmas lights and you, no doorbell. Human, so human <laughs> nature can be a good thing, though, right? Because oh, yeah. it's kept the economy buoyant. Because look at us as humans. We're not like we're in a pandemic. We should save money because we can't go on vacation. It's like, no, we're just going to no, go buy a bunch of crap. On something else. Let's buy crap. <laughs> let's, let's, yeah. let's outfit the man cave. Let's do it. <laughs> you guys continue to do it. It's Black Friday. Shop. Keep the economy up. It's the only thing keeping us going keep out here. Keep doing it, man. Keep buying it. Keep buying it. <laughs> hey, you can connect with us on Twitter. You can connect with me at Timothy Duner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Look me up on LinkedIn. You can find him at Vincent the Dude or look up Michael Vincent on LinkedIn. You can find this show, What the Truck, on your favorite podcast player of choice. Just look up What the Truck. Or if you want every single Freightways podcast all in one convenient feed, look up Freightcast. Every single show, including Navigate oh. B2B. It's already been uploaded. I uploaded it about an hour ago. So if you want to listen to that on demand, your audio, go check it out. Go to Freightcast. Exclusive on that feed. Also, you want to watch our ugly mugs, you can download <laughs> the, uh, what's it called? The Freightways TV app. You get on Apple TV. You can get on your Roku. You can get on your Fire Stick. What if you stick on you there? You can do that. Your fire stick. You on radio tomorrow? You got a fire stick? No, I got it off. Oh, I'm hey, yeah. look at you, bro. Yeah, so I'm right back on. I'm actually getting a little, little time off. It'd be nice. Ah, excellent. But we'll be Good back Monday. You, We're going to we be will. back Monday on What the Truck. We have some great guests. We have Ryan Gavin, Chief Marketing Officer and Head of Marketplace Growth at Convoy. We'll have Jason Wakely, Senior Manager, General Merchandising, Hot Flying J. We're going to have John Brewer from CKE. And maybe a surprise guest or two as well. We're going to cap out all you really enjoyed this Black Friday, this Thanksgiving weekend. Hug your family. Hug your friends. Kiss your wife. Take care. Peace and love.